Warning, the following podcast is a shit show, and the individuals you are about to meet are idiots. Their opinions, anecdotes, and advice contain zero nutritional value. This is the critical human condition and all of its strangeness. This is life, according to an idiot. I have a migraine right now. I can feel my brain getting a little warm. So this should be an interesting <laughs> recording. Do you take any meds for it? No, I'm out. Oh, no. So, but it's okay. I, I've been getting migraines a lot more frequently, and I think I'm better at managing them. I started biologic, so I shoot myself up once a month now for my migraines. What is this? Hold on, what? Yeah. This is an option? What is it? What is it called? I get migraines like a bad one once a week. Honestly, yeah, same. It's like Gazalub, I think. It's like G-A-Z-E. That sounds like a demon. Gazalub. <laughs> I can't think of what it is off the top of my head. It's part of a clinical trial, actually. So that's kind of cool. But it's an FDA-approved drug. Like, people use it. It's helped quite a bit. Like, I still get migraines. And, like, I'll still get ones that last, like, three or four days. But they're not as bad. And, like, before they would peak to the point where, like, I couldn't do anything other than lay in bed. Yep. But now they, like, peak to the point where, like, yesterday I accidentally put my hairbrush in my toothbrush holder. <laughs> hey. And I just do weird stuff like that. <laughs> there was a long time at my parents' house when I was putting the salt shaker in the microwave. Nice. And it would always be around the times when I would have, like, a migraine episode. Mm -hmm. Right now I'm, like, on the pee every, like... 30 minutes to an hour type of migraine situation. Yours make you pee? Yeah, mine make me pee a lot, like a racehorse. Really? That's like a thing. Yeah, it's like a whole thing with migraines. I never heard of that before. I didn't know that. But anyways, let's begin. Yeah. Before your migraine gets too bad. Hi. Hello. My name is Mo. And I'm Jeremy. I felt like you would like this and then we can like dive into our segments. But I got my Spotify wrapped the other day. And have you looked mm -hmm. at yours yet? I haven't, actually. I'll give you a single guess as to what my top song for 2022 was. Okay, well, is it is it going to be like niche or like a or like a song that we all know? It's definitely a song everyone knows. It's like a meme song. Mama don't know, Papa's <laughs> getting hot. At the body shop. Doing, doing something, something unholy. unholy. Uh, no, it was All Star. <laughs> oh my, is that <laughs> old of a meme song? <laughs> yeah. Why are you listening to it? That was your top it song? It was my top song. Because back like earlier this year, I had gone on a date with a girl. Mm -hmm. And we were like sitting at my car at one point. I was like going to drive her back to her car. And she was like, oh, like I asked her like what she wanted to listen to. And she was like, you know, put on, put on whatever you want. And so I took the opportunity to be chaotic and completely ruin the moment. So I put on All Star by <laughs> Smash Mouth. <laughs> yeah. And... I didn't realize that with Spotify, sometimes when you search a song and play it, it just plays it on repeat. And so okay. we were like talking and it took like the sixth or eighth listen before we were like, we've only listened to Smash Mouth <laughs> this entire drive. And Spotify and my rap told me that we listened to it 22 times in a row in a single day. I'm going to look at my wrapped right now for you. All right. 2022 wrapped. I listened to 1,300 artists. Holy shit. Artist of the year was Lumineers. Wow. Because they had an album drop this year, and I listened to the album all the way through several times. Nice. It was an okay album, if I'm honest. My top artist for like three years in a row was Hosier. God, he's so good. He's dropping a new album soon. Oh, really? 
He makes like Lord of the Rings music. Right. Which, by the way, for the first time, I finally watched the trilogy all the way through. Really? Did you watch the extended? No, I can't do that. Mm, okay. Well, you get like half a point. Okay, that's fair. But I spent 40,650 minutes listening to podcasts. Holy hell. I, the only podcast I listen to is our own. Oh, really? Does that make me egotistical? My number one was Last Podcast on the Left, which is a great show. Nice. And the second one was the Art Bell Tape Vault, which I told you about that one episode. Yeah, yeah. I still need to listen to that. I feel like this is a good maybe transition into some Tinderellas. Because what do you love more when you're on a date with someone than listening to some music? That's right. Do you happen to have any Tinderellas? I do. So this is my first time actually diving into Tinder now that I have moved to Texas. And... Honestly, like I have to say, because I still, I did the same thing that I always do, which is to put it to men, which I don't usually look at. And I put it at like 35 to 40 and up because I feel like those tend to be the best profiles for our purposes. (laughs) Yes, I agree. I agree. Yeah. And Texas would be a, a great place to sample from. Yeah. And like, honestly, they're not as bad as Michigan. Michigan has some real weirdos. Like Texas has weirdos, but it's like a specific brand of weirdo to where it kind of works a little bit. Michigan is just creepy. They're like serial killer creepy. Texas is like eccentric grandpa. Really? I I mean, maybe it's because, I don't know, I think Michigan is kind of the Texas of the Midwest. Okay. Like we're the most trigger happy. Mm -hmm. I think we're the most like... I don't know. I think we have. I th- I feel like Michigan would have a lot of serial killers. Yeah, I agree. And we just there's that vibe. Like there's people here when they're weird, they're really weird. Mm-hmm. They're sort of like a militia weird, you know, like guns and conspiracies and stuff like that. Right. Like you don't want to be around them. Yeah, but like Texas weird, it's like mm, that's kind of endearing, you know. Because Texas kind of has more character, I think. Yeah. I agree. At least like where I am. And I'm in like a major city. So you're in the liberal part. of the, Yeah. The, the, all the cities in Texas are very liberal. Yeah. And not so much like conservative, which you would find in most other parts of the state. So yeah, because they are, are they on Tinder? I don't even know. Right. Like, yes, they're probably on like that conservative dating app. I should download that. Oh. I should download that. OK, well, for now, I have Tinder's. Would you mind if I spread Nutella on her butt and ate it? I have a few of them. I have like, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. I almost sent you this one because I was so horrified, but I'll read it. Oh my God. Okay. I'm so excited. All of them are pretty short, but they got like a nice little punch in there. So I don't even have to come up with a fake name for this one because he did that for me. His name is Big B. (laughs) He is 62. He works at Social Management 69. That can't be real. (laughs) Lives in Tampa. And his description is love life, great food, good drink, travel, and naughty, sexy women. (laughs) Not in that order. (laughs) What? This is what this man looks like. Oh, my God. That's like a real estate agent. This looks like. That looks like a senator. Creepy businessman. Dude, that looks like a politician. Mm-hmm, right? Well, Big B, God bless. He has the devil in his eyes. He does not look okay. He does. He actually looks very sweet. He had a very gentle love in his eyes. I disagree. I think I'm in love. 
Okay, well, I can... Big B, take me away. I can give you his profile information if you'd like, but he does enjoy naughty, sexy women, so you might need to change up your look a little bit. Well... Shake your hips the right way. I got a fat ass. (laughs) You forget about this. So next, we have Jim, who is 40 and works at Reckless Abandon at World War V Records and specifies that he is a straight man. Hmm. His description is... Ever since World War II, I can't concentrate. When I peel back the skin, I can smell that you're rotten. I know that sour look you get when I beat you to a pulp. Order up a perfect blend of raw passion. On your knees, I'll pick who I please. Feel the squeeze. Juicy what I'm saying? Uh, I don't see what he's saying. (laughs) I don't either. What does that mean? His interests are comedy, soccer, movies, and music. Clearly, based on that bio. Right? I'm like... Mm. I can tell this is a soccer guy. Can you read that through again? What were that? It's like a poem. Ever since World War II, I can't concentrate. When I peel back the skin, I can smell that you're rotten. I know that sour look you get when I beat you to a pulp. Order up a perfect blend of raw passion. On your knees, I'll pick who I please. Feel the squeeze. Juicy what I'm saying... Do you see or juicy? Juicy. Juicy. W- oh, juicy. Juicy what I'm saying, question mark. That's Serial killer. Serial killer. There's yeah. a guy who his only picture didn't have a bio was fucking what's his name from American Psycho. Yeah, Patrick. Yeah, Bateman. Patrick Bateman. And his face is all bloody and he's like doing that really creepy mm-hmm. smile. That was it. Why would you do? Why? What's like. The- Who's going to swipe on that? Nobody's going right. to swipe on that. There were also, I wanted to make this note because I felt like it was very important. I feel like in Michigan, it was the fish photos. Like everyone was posing with a fish. Yeah. And by that, I mean men. Yep. Here it's taxidermy. Really? And I don't know what the fuck that is about, but there are so many pictures of dudes just standing in front of like taxidermy animals and like not even deer. There are, like, some deer, but, like, fucking meerkats and weird shit like that. Like, I don't understand. Oh, so, like, not stuff they killed. Mm-hmm. Because a meerkat, that's not, there's no meerkats in Texas. Yeah, I'm like, I don't even know what this is. Like, foxes and stuff. Well, that could be something they could shoot. I mean, it's probably similar to the fish where, like, you're showing, like, this is what I can provide. This is what I, mm-hmm. I hunted. Same with the taxidermy. I killed this and I got it stuffed. Yeah. Same vibe. So I can prove to you that I kill things. Yeah, isn't that hot? To make you feel at ease. Yeah. Make you feel comfortable. Some reassurance I also like to kill. Right. <laughs> if you wanted a man, look no further. Look no further. Look at me. I kill stuff. Yeah. And I'll kill for you too. I, I would kill you. I could kill you and I could make you stuffed. <laughs> <laughs> you want to be my rug? Yeah. All right, Jeremy, you want to hop into this segment? Oh, wait, wait. Before we start, though, I wanted to share this. I shared this with you already. Okay. This is a big thing. I had a ghost experience. <gasps> yes. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay, yeah. so me and my girlfriend went down to Ohio for my brother's wedding. I actually officiated the wedding, so you, I'm, I am a clergyman. It's important. I am a man of God. Right. When you get ordained, you now have the ability to marry people. You also have the ability to take life. That's also what's <laughs> part of the deal. Mm-hmm. So watch out. But so anyways, <laughs> we went down to Ohio. And we were in a place called Hawking Hills, which is a very pretty area in Ohio. It's where people like to do loogies. A hockey. Yeah, that's great. That's so good. <laughs> we'll add a little rim shot in there for you. <laughs> so it's very forested, a lot of lot of trees and winding roads, like a no cell reception kind of remoteness. Mm-hmm. And so 
my brother had reserved like a hotel for people to stay at. And then me and my girlfriend were like, you know, fuck that. We're going to be comfortable because hotels suck. This one turned out to be a very nice hotel. But we're like, we're going to go find an Airbnb that's also in the wilderness. And we're going to stay there. It's going to be very nice and quaint. And so we found a place not on Airbnb, which was I think was a first mm-hmm. mistake. Misstep. Yeah. But it was this little cabin called the Spicewood Cabin. And it was on a piece of property with several other little cabins, like old cabins, mm-hmm. and a really nasty old trailer in the front. And so we got down there. It was night by the time we got there. The wedding was the next day. So we got down there. We started unpacking. It was this little A-frame. It was like a loft that was had a little spiral staircase leading up to it. Mm-hmm. And the loft was just big enough for a queen-size bed. Then downstairs is this old kitchen and a little futon. That was it with a bathroom. It was very small. You could like do a 360 look around and you saw the whole place. So we got there and we're like, this place is way older than we thought it was going to be. We go up to the loft on this rickety ass spiral staircase. And there's like not enough room to like get in the bed without bumping the shit out of your head. Mm-hmm. There's also these little doors, sliding doors, like two feet high. They were on the lower part of the wall. That opened up into like nothing, like the attic, like the rest of the A-frame. Mm. Ideally, it's storage space, but it was like really creepy because it's just like, I don't know, there could be like an animal in there. Yeah. And so we're not going to sleep in this loft. We'll sleep on the yeah. futon downstairs. Mm. So we weren't that creeped out to begin with. We're getting ready for bed. We're getting on the futon. We're talking a little bit. And we hear clear as day. We hear the voice of a man through the wall. The wall that was kind of like the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And I, I am paranoid about intruders. So whenever I rent a place, I look through the closets. I look through everything. Mm-hmm. We're just talking. And we hear through the wall just this moan. It's like, oh. And we're like, that was weird. That was maybe the wind. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking at my girlfriend and being like, okay, we both heard this. She looked alarmed. And I was like, I don't know what the fuck that was. And then probably... Five seconds later, maybe 10 seconds later, we hear the same, like if it was a voice, it was the same voice. Uh, And it was a little bit different going, uh, at that point in time, we both looked at each other and we're like, we're going to the hotel tonight. We're not staying here. That was like all we needed to hear. It was the most Scooby-Doo ass ghost (laughs) I've ever heard. I mean, goosebumps. I was just thinking like. You should do voice effects, like voiceovers. Because I'm so, I'm so good at doing the, the ghost moan. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> but yeah, so, and she told me later, she's like, I was going to wait for you to be scared before I got scared. And so <laughs> she gets on the phone with the hotel and she's like, hey, we're going to be coming tonight. I just start packing up our stuff. She had already set up everything in the little old bathroom that was in the house. So I go into the bathroom and I start packing stuff away really quickly. And I swear on my fucking life, I feel, I don't know what it is, a touch, a tongue, a, something that was- A tongue? Well, something that was soft and long, stroke down behind my ear, down my neck, like cold as ice. A penis. A penis. <laughs> a penis stroked your neck. Oh my God. That man must have been tall. <laughs> yeah, he was, on a, he was on a ghost ladder. That's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> but, so the ghost penis touches the back of my neck. Ah! And I mean, it's like ice cold, mm. like- if, an AC was just hyper-focused on one little trail down the back of my ear to my neck. And I got goosebumps. You know how, like, there's a kink for using ice cubes? That's what it felt like was an ice well, cube. Well, I mean, like, using an ice cube and then, like, using it on your lady. So what if this ghost took it a step farther and decided to make his whole dick icy 
and just like slapped it on your neck. I mean, kink ghost. At least that's fl- I'd be flattered, <laughs> which is not the reaction you should have when you are assaulted by a ghost or anybody else. <laughs> but yeah, so w- once I felt that, I just started laughing. What the fuck? Because I was just like so nervous. This is unreal. This is completely unreal. Mm-hmm. So I start nervously laughing. I'm just throwing all of her stuff in her bags. I'm getting it out. We literally just run to the car. It felt like so much like a horror movie. Because my whole thing is like, what if we don't make it to the car? Yeah. It was so dark outside. I mean, there was zero light pollution. Like the only light we had outside was from our phones. That's horrifying. To find our way to the car. So we get to the car. The car starts and we have to drive through serpentine roads that are just zigzagging through. Like It was like in the middle of fall. So it was actually very beautiful driving up there because all the leaves were falling. Mm-hmm. But like pitch black down the roads, all you could see was like the six feet that your headlights threw down the road. Mm-hmm. Everything around you was this inky blackness. No. I don't know. I remember My heart was racing the entire time. And the whole time <laughs> we're trying to call people because we're like, so we got to tell people about this. That was unreal. We have to call people. But like we had no cell service, mm. which made it more like a horror movie. Mm-hmm. We finally got to the hotel like 20 minutes later. Oh. I've never felt more safe in my life than like pulling up to that hotel. Yeah. And in. Do you do the thing where like um, you keep looking in the rearview mirror? Absolutely. Like something's going to pop up in the back seat. Absolutely. I thought something was outside, like behind the car. Yeah. And like what was scary too is like the occasional house that you would pass by would have like Halloween decorations. So like your headlights would just be hitting nothing. Then all of a sudden like a skeleton. Oh my <laughs> God. Like, oh, fuck. What is that? Oh, like a scarecrow. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, whoa. In the dead of night when you're already terrified, a raggedy old scarecrow is like the scariest yeah, thing to see. Yeah, that's terrifying. But that's, I just wanted to share that. I, I'm glad that you did because that shit is scary. And I'm like curious what some other of our viewers, like if they have any ghost stories, I would be very interested in hearing them. Email us at according to an idiot at gmail.com. And we would love to read it. Absolutely. We can read it on the podcast maybe even. That'd be awesome. That would be a lot yeah. of fun. If you have any kind of ghost story, even if it's a nothing story... Email to us. I would love just to read it myself, let alone read it on the show. Yeah. So we can talk about your ghost penis experiences. Yeah. Have you been sexually assaulted by a ghost like I have? I had one. I told you this story also after you told me yours, but I'll explain it here too. I had just recently moved and I was convinced that my house is haunted. Because there had been like little things here and there and like generally like some places you just get a bad vibe from like an eerie vibe. Mm-hmm. And I kind of felt that about this place. Not necessarily bad, but it just felt like people were watching me kind of thing, but like watching me within my house. Ooh. And so I always felt like unsettled being alone in my house. So I didn't really do much about it. But there was one instance where I was sitting on my couch And I was ironically kind of reading banishment techniques Mm -hmm. because I was like on this thread about witchcraft or whatever. Yeah. And the couch moved like it felt like someone had picked up (laughs) my couch like I was sitting on it and they lifted it off of the floor and it like rattled me a little bit. Like I kind of like shifted my weight because it had lifted up that much. That's fucked up. (laughs) <laughs> what do you even do? Like, what do you even do in that situation? I was like, holy you fuck. Do like, not, you do nothing. I don't know. I have proof now, I guess. So I decided I was just done dealing with this. I was like really scared. I was like terrified. But I was like, I'm just going to be angry instead, I guess. And so I didn't really know how to banish a ghost. So I just grabbed my table salt and I just started throwing that around <laughs> because that's like good for banishing negative stuff like that. And I just threw it around. 
the entire house. My entire floor was covered in salt, like everything. Yeah. And I didn't know like what to say. And the only thing coming to mind was um, closing time. <laughs> so I was just singing the chorus of it's closing time. <laughs> Just over and over because I didn't know the rest of the words. <laughs> and I haven't had any issues since. And it's been a lot more comfortable in my house. So That's bizarre. I remember when you had told me that, I guess like your partner is like scared of ghosts or whatever. Yeah. So like you told me that like whispered on the phone. <laughs> and like that made the story that much scarier with you being like, okay, so I was home alone, right? <laughs> it added to it. But yeah, it's, that's... It's not hard to move a couch, but it's like, you know, if you were if you were made of air, yeah, it'd be hard to move a couch. <laughs> right? That's a lot of energy. I was like kind of impressed a little bit, but my partner, yeah, is like very scared of ghosts. And I had asked them like playfully one time, I'm like, oh, like, would you still move in with me if we had a ghost? And they said, no. They were like, no, definitely not. <laughs> I was like, fuck. Wow. I can never tell you this story. I have to keep yeah. it to myself. Yeah. Like maybe a month or so later, we decided to do like a full saging and stuff like that. And it's been feeling pretty good ever since. Because it was my closet. My closet in particular, I just was so uncomfortable with. And now it feels fine. I don't know if it's like mental stuff. It could be. But regardless, okay. it's a really old house. Like how old? <sighs> years. Oh, yeah. years. <laughs> Mine's only months. <laughs> my house is from the 50s. I've never felt anything here. Some places are fine. Like a lot of, most places I feel like are fine, but there's like, you know it when it's not. Yeah. Like you feel it. And I had never toured this place beforehand because I was moving out of state. So it was just like a FaceTime tour. And I was like, yeah, whatever. It looks good. And then I got here and I was like, hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I know cleaning carpets. I cleaned a lot of old houses, all kinds of houses. And there's a few houses where I, like, I didn't think it was haunted, but I was like, something is instinctively, intrinsically off here. Yeah. I don't know if it's like black mold or like electrical interference can cause you to feel out of sorts. And so it could have been that. But there's a few houses that were really old that I cleaned and I was like, this place, if, it, if the place was haunted, I think it would feel like this. Yeah. I would clean so fast because I'm just like, I want to get out right? of here. I do not want to be alone because like when you're cleaning a carpet, you're working backwards. You always have your back to something, to the door, to whatever. Mm -hmm. And that was always kind of unnerving. Yeah. Part of this plays into my own personal theory of ghosts, which is that the actual like spirit ghost isn't what we think it is. It's actually the energy from a parallel universe, like an alternate timeline. And that feeling is kind of leeching over into our reality. Or like they're seeing you mm -hmm. too. They're feeling you as well. Like a, a great story I heard, I can't remember where I heard it. It was some radio show or something. It was a story of this grandmother. She was watching TV and like knitting or something. Mm -hmm. And as she's watching TV, she sees three dark shadows run into the room, stop and stare at her. And then she's shocked. She just lets out a gasp. Mm -hmm. And when she gasps, they run out of the room. And she's like, wow, that was, I saw something supernatural. I saw something bizarre. Time passes, years go by, the old lady dies. Her three grandsons are clearing out the house. They finally all go into the living room to start cleaning out that room. And what, who do they see in the old rocking chair where their grandmother used to always sit? A ghost of their grandmother sitting in her chair knitting something. Mm -hmm. The ghost looks up at them. They run out of the room. Mm-hmm. Who's haunting who? Right. They saw 
her ghost and she saw their ghosts at the same time. Right. If hauntings and ghosts are real, I think it's something more along the lines of that. I agree. Scientists have said time is not as linear as we perceive it. Mm -hmm. The tech that makes up our bodies, that's how we make sense of time. But in reality, maybe things are happening all at once. And so once in a while, there's a break there. And you see two things converge at the same time and you go, I just saw a fucking ghost. Right. Or I just heard a ghost. Kind of like you said, alternate realities seeping in, but instead of an alternate reality, it's just a different time Mm -hmm. that has already happened, will happen, and is currently happening. I love that idea. As far as ghosts go, I think the thin places can also play a part. Yeah. You know, whether it be like a thin place to the spirit world, it could also just be a thin place when it comes to space time. And that it tends to bleed over in that specific place. Yeah. That's what I like to think. But I think this is a great segue into our topic of the episode, which is the gods of death in the underworld. So this one was voted by our lovely patrons. So if you would like to vote on the next topic next episode, feel free to let us know by subscribing to our Patreon. Sharing their curiosity to know the unknown, their tension, their readiness for inconceivable adventure. Is it human or inhuman? Earthly or unearthly? In this world, nothing is certain but death and taxes. The Grim Reaper, there's nothing to joke about. Let me tell you. Now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. Sorry, Death, you lose. Unbelievable. Fantastic, but I tell you it could happen. What do you think about death? I am not very scared of death. My partner is terrified (laughs) of death. And I think that's kind of the general opinion of most people is that it's very scary to think about. For me, it just kind of feels like a natural part of life. Mm-hmm. You can't have life without death. And so I don't really know what happens, but I like to think along the lines of reincarnation and not necessarily that you're literally reincarnated as another being, but that your energy in general is added back to the universe, you know, like you're part of the cosmic whole again. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of like a cool thought experiment in a way. I think it's probably healthy to not be so afraid of death. I will sometimes get tripped up at night in bed, especially if I'm like high or something. (laughs) Yeah. This happens so many times. I can't even count. I'll start thinking like, oh, fuck, I'm going to die someday. Mm -hmm. And then I think, no, I'm really going to die someday. There's so many things that we say in life. We're like, oh, yeah, someday this is going to happen. Mm -hmm. And you don't think like, no, 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 it's going to happen. Like it's going to actually, you're going to have to deal with it for real. Mm -hmm. And like with death, nobody's come back to tell you what it's like. Yeah. Nobody knows what you don't, you don't know what it feels like. Nobody can coach you through it. You're doing it alone. Yeah. Sometimes you know it's happening and sometimes you have no idea you died. That's what scares people is this idea that it's it's such a mystery because like every human dies. So how many people have fucking lived before us? Yeah. Yeah. So many. So many. Billions? Billions. The majority of people who have ever lived are dead. And yet we don't know. We don't have a report on it. We don't know what's there. Mm -hmm. If anything, I tend to believe that nothing happens after death. I think that like in reality, it's probably like a long sleep. 
when you fall asleep, you don't really know you're falling asleep, but you kind of have an idea. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts get a little bit more murky until eventually you're not really thinking words. You're just thinking last and last and the lights kind of go out and you fall asleep. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just think it's probably like what it was before you were born, which you don't remember. And that's what always freaks me out if I'm like way too high. <laughs> I think about that kind of stuff. And I think like, what will it feel like after I'm dead in the sense of like, what did it feel like before I was born? Damn. It didn't feel, it didn't, like there, there isn't a sensory and like we only live through senses. Mm-hmm. So like, I can't even rationalize that in my head. I just go, I guess I got to trust the process and know that it's going to happen. Yeah. You know, not to get too deep on the matter because we're going to be talking about stupid shit, but I mean like <laughs> everybody goes through it. Everybody will go through it. Everyone has somebody they loved who has gone through the process, who has died. And like, there's no closure on it, really. Now, if you're religious, there, there is closure. If you're living, there's no closure on it. Exactly. Because I can only talk about and for the living. Right. Because there's such a divide between the living and the dead that I can't, I, there's nobody alive that can talk for the dead, in my opinion. But yeah, so th- there is this inevitability about death, which is where I actually wanted to open up this episode with reading this story. It's called The Appointment in Samara. This is an ancient Mesopotamian tale which is thought to originate from the Talmud, an ancient Jewish text central to rabbinic Judaism or Jewish religious law and theology. The story spread to other cultures, it seems, with variations found in early Islamic literature as well. The tale was again popularized, this time to a more modern audience, by an English author named William Somerset, Mogham, who published a really telling in 1933. And so what I'm going to tell you is that version that I found. Okay. So here it goes. There was a merchant in Baghdad who sent his servant to the market to buy provisions. And in a little while, the servant came back, pale and trembling, and told the merchant, Master, just now when I was in the marketplace, I was jostled by a woman in the crowd. And when I turned, I saw it was death who had just jostled me. She looked at me and made a threatening gesture. Now lend me your horse, and I will ride away from this city to avoid my fate. I will go to Samara and there death will not find me. Hmm. At the time, Samar was like a more remote city in Iraq. So the merchant lent him his horse, and the servant mounted it, dug his spurs into its flanks, and as fast as the horse could gallop, he went off to Samara. Then the merchant went down to the market himself and saw death standing in the crowd. He came to death and said, why did you make a threatening gesture to my servant when you saw him this morning? That was not a threatening gesture, said death. It was only a start of surprise. I was astonished to see him here in Baghdad, for I had an appointment with him tonight in Samara. Mm. End of story. So you can't run from death. It's unavoidable. That's a cool story. I like that. Yeah. Just in the topic of like cosmic order and things like that, because I think a lot of people tend to see the afterlife in like a Christian point of view where there's like a heaven and a hell kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But that's not always the case. Like a lot of other cultures don't always see it that way. Like it's an unavoidable part of life, but it is like a part of life. And I kind of focused on ancient Egypt and like Egyptian point of view of the afterlife because I feel like they have a really interesting perspective and way of honoring the dead. So I kind of wanted to dive into that and dive into specific Egyptian gods. So the Egyptians believed the ultimate evil in the world wasn't death, but it was chaos. 
in Egyptian mythology, it's kind of based around maintaining a cosmic order to things and keeping chaos at bay. And that helps to keep evil at bay. So like when someone died, their spiritual body would continue to exist in the afterlife, similar to the living world. But the afterlife wasn't always guaranteed either. So the dead would have to face a journey and a final judgment before getting access. The Egyptians had different ideas, like each part of the body, part of the soul kind of represented different things. I'm going to mispronounce a lot of this. Sure. And that's nothing new for the show. But the kat was the physical part of the body. So that was the part that like decayed. And the mm -hmm. ba was the soul. And so that conveyed something very noble, something very beautiful. And it could enter a body and become incorporeal at will. In like art and things like that, it was represented by a human-headed falcon. <laughs> and it's thought that the soul would remain kind of sentimental to its body and protect it after death. Wow, that's interesting. Right? Um, and it's often depicted as flying around the portal of the tomb or perched on a nearby tree. And then there's different parts as well. Like there's spiritual intelligence, there's power, a shadow, a name. And these all have like different corresponding names to them. And this one I thought was interesting. It's called a Ka. And it's a doppelganger that had the person's qualities and faults. And after death, it could eat and drink. So you kind of had a spiritual doppelganger that could like exist as a person. What the fuck? That's scary. Right? <laughs> what is that called? It's Ka. It's K-A. So funerals were very important to Egyptian culture because they believed that the soul would kind of carry on afterwards. And there were a lot of components to a person that each one needed to be kind of taken care of and kind of guarded in a way in order to protect this person in the afterlife. So a funeral is essential for helping the dead through their journey and would include things like amulets or provisions, specific clothing, statues, and the Book of the Dead was also used for ceremonies. And the Book of the Dead is a collection of spells that are used during the funeral to kind of help guide them or do different rituals, offerings, things like that. So the general process for a funeral could last like months because mummification would have to come first. And that's kind of like humans first introduction to like embalming and stuff like that, like taking care of the dead. Mm -hmm, right. And so you would have to wrap them up and that could take like 70 days sometimes. Damn. And once they had their mummy, they would place them inside one or more coffins and would take them back to their home and the coffin would be taken from the home across the Nile on a boat and then dragged to the tomb by ox. <laughs> it's very elaborate. Once they're at the tomb, the coffin would be placed upright and supported by a priest dressed as Anubis. The dead person would be referred to as Osiris, which is the god of the underworld, and female relatives would play Isis and Nephthys. <laughs> and that'll make more sense later once I dive into their their myths. Okay. So there were like a series of rites that would be performed. Certain things like opening the mouth were really important because it was thought to restore the mummy's senses so that it could breathe, it could see and hear in the afterlife. 
Offerings were also done, so like a table of food would be provided. So once they awoke and their spirit could wander around, they could like have vitality afterwards. Hmm. And a lot of people saw funerals not as like a final goodbye. Parties were often held to bring the living and dead together. And the Book of the Dead was also thought to allow the dead to transform specifically into birds to like visit the living. Right. And families would do things like keep busts of their dead relatives to like encourage them to come visit. And certain things that they would put on the dead bodies to kind of help them in their journey also were like amulets. This would give the body magical powers of like protection and healing and would be placed on different parts of the body during the wrapping process. So like a heart scarab was popular to help protect the heart from being separated from the body during the journey into like the afterlife. And coffins were important to protect the body and therefore protect the soul as well. So like that's why tomb robbers are like especially grievous because it's like you're not just stealing from the dead, but you're also dooming this person to not live in the afterlife as well. You're desecrating the very sacred thing. Exactly. Yeah. Because if there was a thought that tombs were like a house of eternity, you know, like if it's built properly, you will be immortal after you're dead. You'll kind of live on forever as long as your body is protected. So if you're kind of desecrating that, then you're giving a big old fuck you <laughs> to everyone, really. Yeah. So specific gods of death in the underworld, you're going to think of Anubis and Osiris for Egyptian mythology. Anubis, the name comes from the Greek form of Egyptian Anpu, which means to decay. And Anubis is depicted with a muscular male body, <laughs> hubba hubba, mm. with the head of a black jackal. <laughs> oh. Yes. So the black... This is fucking sexy. <laughs> it, all Egyptian gods are like kind of sexy, I'm not going to lie. They're all cut. Yeah. They're all real. Like they're all like you see pictures of them. They're all really. They're fit. I think one of them is like a big blue cow. I'm not a fan of that one, but <laughs> the rest are very all fuckable. Right. God. All gods have, gods have always been fuckable. Right. No one's going to worship a God that isn't kind of fuckable, right? Right. Yeah. I think you're right. Jesus Christ on the cross. He's got abs. Mm -hmm. Big, thick beard. Some muscles. No one wants to wimp for a god. Yeah, no. No one's going to follow that. L. Ron Hubbard, he was fucking hot. Oh, my God. He wasn't a god, though. He was just... He's kind of... He, he's become the godhead of the, of the Church of Scientology, though, in a sense. Uh, yeah, that's you know, Kind of. Kind of. Kind of. But, yeah, he was a beautiful man. Google an image of him if you don't know what he looks like. He was so fucking gorgeous. Do your voice of him again? <laughs> you do, like, a decent impression of him. What's a phrase he had said or would say? Maybe, like... <laughs> performing a ritual to create the Antichrist. Yeah, so he yeah. did that. You see, the, the Antichrist, you gotta talk with your teeth. <laughs> yes, the Antichrist was very, uh, a very good man. And well, Zeno, that's what he goes, Zeno, <laughs> he had bombs, you see, atomic bombs <laughs> that he, he dropped in volcanoes. Oh my God. I fucking hate how, I, first of all, I hate him, <laughs> how he looks. His teeth very much trigger me. <laughs> He's got these teeth that look like a bunch of, it looks like somebody took a bunch of teeth from different people and put them in one man's mouth. <laughs> oh, God. He's a fascinating man. But in yeah. the same sense, he's like very uninteresting. Yeah. You know? It's just like one crazy man who got way too much attention. Yeah, it just worked out. He just, once in a while, it just works out for somebody. Yeah. You know, you don't need to have this or that. He didn't even have that much money when he got, when he made. 
scary. That scared the fuck out of me. Sorry. That, that's kind of what L. Ron Hubbard sounded like. Ooh. I want to hear that like backed by like a like death metal because I feel like that's <laughs> perfect. Uh, maybe in editing I'll do that. Right here, let's hear Harry if he was a death metal singer. <laughs> Oh my god, wow. Yeah. Talented boy. Wow. Great. So good, Harry. That was a fantastic so music. That's how angry he gets when the neighborhood kids are playing outside. Those fucking kids. Oh. I forgot what we were even talking about. Oh, Anubis. So yes. Anubis has this muscular male body, and he has the head of a black jackal. Mm-hmm. The black is thought to symbolize the decay of the body and the fertility of the Nile River's soil. He had the head of a jackal because in Egypt, they would often dig up bodies that weren't buried deep enough. I was just going to say that. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of cool. It's really easy in arid places for like in the desert in our country, I know, like coyotes. Mm -hmm. Coyotes will dig up shallow graves and stuff like that very easily. That's how I know um, several cases like murders have been discovered because someone digs a shallow grave Mm -hmm. and then a coyote digs it up and then somebody finds a head. Right. So it's six feet deep. What's cool about Anubis is that he was kind of around at the very beginning of, like, Egyptian civilization. So Anubis and death were very significant in, like, keeping chaos in check and therefore, like, keeping evil out of Egypt. So Anubis was, like, fucking a big old guy. People loved him. And Anubis would also help judge the souls after death. So he would help guide lost souls to the afterlife. Kick that dog. For the love of God. You want me to kick him? No, don't don't actually don't kick your dog. Yeah, I was like, oh my god. Wouldn't that be fucked up if you just learned like I'm okay with hurting animals? <laughs> Punch him in the mouth. I'd be like, I can't be your friend anymore. Yeah, that'd be so I, fucked I would up. probably be like, Jeremy, what the fuck is wrong? Go to therapy. No, that is my therapy. <laughs> I also kill small animals. Oh no. I know like I can never have kids just by like how irritated I get listening to Harry bark. Dude, I I have Thought the same thing. The amount of times that I've thought, like, man, if I could, I would love to punch my dog in the head right now by how much he's barking. I never do. Yeah, I would I would not do well. Anyways, I'm going to repeat what I said because I don't know how much of it was interrupted yeah. by barking. Harry. <laughs> Band practice is tomorrow. So Anubis would help guide lost souls to the afterlife. And he also taught Egyptians about mummification. And he stood by them in life to assist in their resurrection. And as far as, like, mythology goes, in early stories, he was the son of Ra, who is the father of all creation, and then Hesat, who is the goddess of the cow, which is nice. That's the big blue cow, lady, right? <laughs> the big blue cow. Um, it's one of her, like, uh, versions of herself. She's a big blue cow. Uh, what the fuck? <laughs> Get her away from me. I don't, I don't want to impregnate a cow, a blue cow. Uh, speak for yourself. <laughs> you see a cow and you're like, mm, mm. yes. Mm, potential. <laughs> mm-hmm. Also, by the way, I want to make this correction before somebody emails us, but Ka, like you said, it was the double. That I just found this on Britannica. The exact significance, I'm quoting the article, the exact significance of the Ka remains a matter of controversy, chiefly for the lack of Egyptian definition. The usual translation, double, is in fact incorrect. Mm-hmm. Written by a hieroglyph of uplifted arms, it seemed originally to have designated this protecting divine spirit of a person. The Ka survived the death of the body and could reside in a picture or statue of a person. So it's not double. That's like a very, very common mm. misconception. Cool. It's the principal aspect of the soul. I don't the fuck. That's my issue with 
because I for some I think an episode we never did was Egypt Egyptian mythology and I did a ton of research on these gods and one thing that was really difficult was like to come up with a concise modern definition of like what each part of the soul was yeah they were all these weird like this is the principal part of the soul. This is the essence of the soul. Like, what is, doesn't that all mean the same thing? Like, what the fuck are y'all talking about? Can't it just be like water, fire, and earth? That's how I felt a little bit going through these. I'm like, I don't know what y'all are saying. I just know it's a doppelganger that can eat, I guess. So I'm going to roll with that. Right. <laughs> this part of the soul is responsible for boners. This one's responsible <laughs> for drinking water. Right. Like, okay, cool. Whatever. I guess I'll just, I'll tell people that in mass. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was like the original stories of Anubis. He was later included in the Osiris myth and was said to be the son of Osiris. And he's commonly seen standing with Osiris, Thoth, and others weighing the heart and soul and the hall of truth in the afterlife. And who's Osiris? Osiris is now the god of the underworld. Anubis was originally, but then he was kind of booted because Osiris got more popular. Okay. So now Anubis is like the god of mummification and stuff like that. Okay. He got he got demoted. He got of. demoted a little bit because Osiris had a cooler story. So they were like, oh, let's go with Osiris. So and then he got sent down to middle management. Yeah, basically. So the heart is said to record all the good and bad deeds in a person's life. And it's needed for judgment in the afterlife. So after death, the heart is weighed against a feather of Mott, who is the goddess of truth and justice. And we talked about this a little bit in the astrology episode when it got real, like, oh, at the end. So the hall of truth is a hall where there is a line of souls who are awaiting judgment. And while waiting, the souls are attended to by goddesses like Quebec, <laughs> not Quebec, but... <laughs> Quebec. Not Quebec, but Quebec. Yeah. Who <laughs> is the daughter of Anubis. And I thought it was really cool. She's the personification of cool, refreshing water. So mm, if they were. Aquafina. <laughs> Aquafina, the goddess. So if they were deemed not just, they would be eaten by the goddess Amimet, who <laughs> has the head <laughs> of a crocodile, the body of a lion, and the butt of of a hippo <laughs> the butt mm -hmm. and not survive so they would die because they were eaten by a hippo but hippo ass <laughs> but if a pharaoh was deemed just then he would become one with the god osiris because pharaohs were thought to be like godly in themselves it's because they were just rich kids basically yeah you know like a pharaoh it's like the king it's like it's just, uh, he got you immediately are more holy because you were born into like a rich bloodline right whatever Eat my ass. Eat my hippo ass. Eat my hippo ass. <laughs> Fucking King Tut. <laughs> Got him. So the Greeks kind of associated Anubis with their god Hermes, who guided the dead to the afterlife. And the Osiris myth eventually became more popular. So Anubis became god of mummification and Osiris became the god of the underworld. And Osiris is like the embodiment of fertility, dead, and resurrected kings. He is shown as a green-skinned man with a pharaoh's beard and mummy-wrapped legs and holding a crook and flail. So if you see, like, the guy with his arms crossed across his chest and he's green and his legs are all wrapped up, that is Osiris. The myth that took over Egypt and made him way more popular is that Osiris was a king of Egypt, so he was a pharaoh, and he was slain and drowned by Seth. Just a man named Seth. Just a man, Seth. And he was a bad man. Everyone, no one likes Seth. And Seth 
hated him so much, he tore his corpse into 14 pieces and flung them all over Egypt. Eventually, Isis and her sister Nepethys, which are the ones in the funerals, found all the pieces and buried them because burying is very important, except for his penis. <laughs> Hell yeah. Scientists are going to need this. Okay. Well, she like had sex with it, I'm assuming, because she had a child from Osiris with his penis and birthed Horus. What an underwhelming name. <laughs> right, Horus. So Osiris, because he had died, remained in the underworld, but was alive because his penis survived and had a son. So he remained in the underworld as a ruler and a judge. Can you imagine like being raised by like your mother and your dead dad's penis? Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> like family outings would be so rough. This is your father. This is my dad. It's the only alive part. This is a talking penis. So the vengeance, the good part of the story comes from Horus, the son, grew up and fought Seth for the throne and he won. Woo! Woo! Big victory. He restored Mott, the cosmic and social order, and restoring peace and kicking out evil in Egypt. And everyone loved this story so much that the cult of Osiris, it's literally a cult, got to be big. And it was said that if you followed it, he would renew your life in the next world and through your descendants on Earth. So basically, you would be reincarnated as one of your descendants. And there were like festivals all across Egypt worshiping this guy. And he eventually became known for the cycles of nature also, like sprouting vegetation and the flooding of the Nile. Okay. That makes Ooh. sense. It's like a pro it's like a life process. Yeah. So kind of, kind of related to that, I looked into, while you covered the gods of death, I covered like, in a sense, lesser gods of death, meaning like folk figures that represented death. Okay. Similar to what I was talking about before, I forgot I'd written this down. It's estimated that around the world, roughly 178,000 humans die each day, which is globally, it's actually 7,400 an hour. Okay. But on the kind of bright side, the most common cause of death by far is complications from old age. Hmm. That's nice. So you don't need to worry about getting exploded. Yeah. I mean, you should be worried about exploding because you're going to fucking explode. Spontaneous combustion. You should be afraid to drive. You should be afraid to leave your house because you will die. Outside. Spontaneous ejaculation uh, is also... Spontaneous ejaculation is the best way to die. Mm -hmm. Theoretically. I can't segue out of this. <laughs> so anyways, ignoring that. <laughs> For most of history, humans have struggled to reach a consensus on the exact definition of death. Once defined by the absence of a heartbeat or ceasing to breathe, medical advancements such as defibrillation and CPR have proven that both functions can be restarted to prevent actual death. Even the absence of functioning hearts and lungs can be remedied with life support technology, if only for a finite amount of time. Therefore, today, medical experts like coroners define death by the end of brain activity or brain death, also called biological death. Mm -hmm. So people can be fully considered dead when the electrical activity in the brain ceases to function. This kind of brain death means a permanent and irreversible end of consciousness. However, this is not to be confused with sometimes permanent lack of consciousness associated with comas and vegetative states. So it's like weirdly complicated to actually call somebody dead. Yeah. I'm going to say it right now. If I ever become brain dead, just kill me. Pull the plug. I don't want to be on life support. I'm going to say, if you see me, put me on life support. <laughs> <laughs> just a little counterpoint to your point. So this definition of like biological death is still 
challenged by some circles in science and medicine. So it's kind of a never-ending war on what death means. Overall, there are three general signs that indicate a person or any other warm-blooded animal are no longer alive. And that is no breathing, no pulse, and no what's called neuronal activity in the brain. Anyways, fun little history part I wanted to add in is premature burial. (laughs) What the fuck was that? That's a hiccup. Keep on going. Keep on. I was shocked. Shocked. (laughs) Ah, People are buried alive. People are buried alive sometimes. Uh, Humans have always argued over the proper definition of death, and prior to modern medical practices and procedure, it's been said that some early coroners and physicians may have misjudged how dead a dead person was. Isn't that silly? Mm -hmm. Isn't that fun? Though most evidence of premature burials is anecdotal, public knowledge and fear of being incorrectly pronounced dead really surged around the 18th century onward. And now it's still a pretty common fear. Medical writings from the late 1800s reported that in England and Wales, as many as 2,700 premature burials occurred each year. However, modern estimates suggest that the figure is probably closer to 800, if any at all. Mm -hmm. But paranoia among physicians at that time led to the development of ways to test whether a dead person truly was dead. Methods included pouring vinegar or spicy peppers into the corpse's mouth. Uh. Applying heated pokers to the feet or rectum. Isn't that stupid? Yeah. (laughs) Or just flat out electrocution. So you're trying to like see if they're faking it essentially. Oh my God. It sounds like they're just into butt stuff and they don't want to admit it. So they're like, what if we just poke these like dead bodies in the butt? Wouldn't that be funny guys? Wouldn't that be weird? Why are we putting this vinegar and hot peppers in the mouths when we could easily be putting it in the butts? Exactly. I don't know why like, I'm like a Southern lawyer. <laughs> I do declare we should insert the habanero into the rectum <laughs> of the anus. <laughs> anus. So safety coffins were patented during the 18th and 19th centuries to comfort those with taphophobia, fear of being buried alive. Safety coffins, which are fast, it's so fast. Look up safety coffins and just see how many different contraptions they made. Safety coffins varied in design, but incorporated some device for the buried to communicate to those above ground, such as a bell attached to a string that fed into the coffin and was tied to the buried body's hand. When Robert Robinson, a controversial English minister, died in 1791, he had his coffin built with a pane of glass on the lid that served as a window. For the days following his death, he requested that family periodically visit his mausoleum to inspect the glass for evidence of fogging, which would indicate he was still breathing. Hmm. So that glass isn't just to look at um, their face. It's to see, like, is there breath in the glass? Okay. Anyways, segue from that. This is more akin to what you're talking about. I want to talk about death incarnate, like these characters of death. Mm -hmm. Death is one of the few natural processes or processes, right? That's how you Mm -hmm. say the plural version. Yeah, processes. Still shrouded in mystery, chiefly due to the question of what happens after death. Impossible to imagine. Very difficult to process. Mm -hmm. Societies and cultures have made sense of death by personifying it in their religions and mythologies. One of the most identifiable personifications of death is the character known as the Grim Reaper. The Reaper is commonly depicted as a scythe-wielding skeleton donning black robes. Hot. Fucking hot. Do you feel like nowadays, like since it's more modern, he wears like a leather robe, like a trench coat? For sure. A trench coat. And I think if he just wore like 
a leather like gimp hmm. uniform. What are those called? Co- costumes? What the fuck are you talking Gimps, about? Gimps like BDSM. Oh. Like a leather daddy? Yeah. Like a collar and stuff. Assless chaps. But he has no ass because he's just a skeleton. <laughs> it's just bone. <laughs> That's badass. He definitely straps. You know what I mean? Well, because he doesn't have... He can't do anything else. He can't yeah. do anything else. He can't feel anything. He can't even eat. He can't even eat anything because it all falls through him. Right. That's so sad. For him. Right. <laughs> it's very sad. The Grim Reaper was viewed as causing the death of the deceased individual by coming to collect their soul. Other versions of the Reaper paint him as a psychopomp. Okay. A supernatural figure such as a spirit, demon, or angel who has no control or impact on the cause of death, but simply serves to escort a person's soul into the afterlife. Mm -hmm. So let's talk more about different kinds of Grim Reapers. A lot of these death figures follow the skeletons with scythes trope. Right. Yeah. Kind of symbology. We have San La Muerta, a folk saint born from a syncretic religion formed in South America, which mainly in like Paraguay, parts of Argentina and Brazil. After local peoples had been influenced by Catholic missionaries, fusing aspects of Catholicism with their pre-existent polytheistic religion. San La Muerta, or Saint Death, is depicted as a male skeleton holding a scythe. Hmm. So, next on is Megerhein, also known as Peter the Death. Okay. This is the personification of death in the Netherlands and parts of Belgium. Other names include Hein, Uncle Heinrich, Beenderman, which means bone man, Sherminkel, which means very thin person or skeleton, and Ma-Man, or Mo-Man, which refers to his scythe, which mows grass. Mo-Man! Mo-Man! Hey! There's Mo-Man. Hey! Peter the Death predates Christianity, but its modern image as a robed skeleton with a scythe likely came about after the culture adopted Christianity during the Middle Ages. Inspired by a famous Middle Age allegory, The Dance of Death, which featured dancing skeletons. This is a mural you can actually look up. The imagery was meant to remind people that we all end up in the same shape, which is skeletal, and in the same place, which is a graveyard or the ground. And in this image, you see like images of a skeleton priest, a skeleton lord, a skeleton peasant, a skeleton child, mm-hmm. all dancing around a grave. A skeleton was- whore. A skeleton stripper. A skeleton car. A skeleton <laughs> house. I guess at the time, this is a pretty impactful, disturbing mural for people to look at. This mm. Or image concept. Moving to Poland. Smirch. So in Polish folklore, death is a skeletal elderly woman in white robes. Ew, women. <laughs> death figures are also presented as female in French, Spanish, and Italian cultures. I think it makes more sense, like, in terms of folklore, to make death a woman. Because, like, women bring life. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that they would bring death as well, you know? Especially an old woman, because it's like grandma. But know? I feel like men are always the ones killing people. So maybe it makes more sense to have men be the killers. Bring the death. No. What? Stop. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a man, so I'm not going to agree to that. <laughs> I'm closed-minded, and I don't like that. Women are bad. Women are evil. Women are only a couple things, you know? Right. They can't handle much more. You can't give them too much more of a role. Right. They can only give life, they can give sex, and they can be a virgin. Give food. They can can bake your food. Yeah. That's all they can do. Look at that. Men can't do that. No, men men can't do that. Yeah. 
Men are too busy building empires and computers. <laughs> and thinking. <laughs> and thinking. For the rest of society. <laughs> thinking for everybody else, which is why we're where we're at. <laughs> Moving on to the plague hag, also known as Pesta. <laughs> I'm sure that has some other pronunciation, but I'm going with Pesta. I love Pesto. It's the feminine version of Pesto, yes. <laughs> this is the Scandinavian death figure originating during the time of the Black Plague. Okay. As you can imagine, something like that would change how we see death. Like this big plague thing, yeah. all of a sudden that is death. Taking the form of a haggard old woman in a black hood named Pesta, meaning plague hag, Pesta was said to wander from town to town carrying either a broom or a rake. And if she came carrying a rake, it meant that some of the townspeople would survive the plague. But if Pesta arrived with a broom, that indicated that all inhabitants would die at the plague. Ooh. I think it's because a rake, because there's little spaces between a rake, you see? Mm. And that can't get everything. It just gets most things. Right. Now a broom, that's picking up everything off the floor. I know you're joking, but that's probably literal. That's probably what they you're thought. Probably is, you're probably right. Yeah, yeah. You're probably right that I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> and if she comes with a Swiffer wet jet. You're fucked. Everyone, no, everyone's going to be fine. What? Everyone's going to be fine. Those things pick up everything. It's going to Hold on. First of all, Swiffer is not a sponsor. Do not encourage people to buy their products. Although I will say it does pick up everything. I love my Swiffer wet jet. It's fantastic. So yeah. Next is the Anku. In Celtic folk beliefs, death came in the form of a spectral figure that would eerily resemble the most recently deceased person in a community or village. Ah. Which is actually terrifying. Yeah. But usually tall and visibly exhausted and ill. Hmm. So like it would be like, like if I was the last person in the community to die, you would see me come back to town, but I'd be pale and I'd be taller than usual. Okay. That disturbs me for some reason. Like seeing somebody and they're like weirdly taller than you remember and they're thin and they're tired and they're pale. So tall and visibly exhausted and ill, wearing a wide brimmed hat and long white hair. Other versions were a skeleton with a head that would rotate 360 degrees. I'm like imagining you with a top hat and really long white hair. <laughs> I feel like that is what's freaking <laughs> me out here. <laughs> I feel like you'd just be like, hey. Hey, I'm going to fucking kill you. <laughs> but the Anku drove a rickety wagon with a cart piled high with rotting corpses. If their wagon made a stop outside a building or home, it meant that all those inside would soon die. That's pretty terrifying. That's pretty scary. A tall, skinny, sick-looking man with a top hat and long white hair driving a rickety wagon piled high with corpses. Yeah. Comes into town one day, stops outside of houses, and then leaves. Yeah. Moving on is the Delahand or Dullahand. I'm not sure which. Um, it's a species of creatures in Irish mythology whose presence was an omen indicating death's arrival. Delahan, Delahan were humanoid figures who rode black horses and carried their own detached head tucked under their arm. Mm. Uh, this this one uh, actually scared me while I was researching it. Okay. So it's these like weird human looking things. They all have black horses and no head with their actually severed head tucked under their arm like a football. Like they carry it around like that. Okay. The Dullahan's head had wide bulging eyes and a constant smile that stretched from ear to ear. Uh, the Delahan would ride up to the home of someone about to die, 
call out the person's name upon which the person would die instantly. <gasps> so you're in bed for days sick and dying, and you see this fucked up dude right up to the house and just yell, Jeremy! <laughs> Jer- yeah, Jeremy! 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 And you're like, uh. <laughs> oh, oh, shit. <laughs> if the Delahan caught someone watching them, which was forbidden, like outside, like not in the house... Yeah. They would either lash the person's eyes with a whip fashioned from a long spine, or they would toss a cup of blood on them, which marked the person for death. Oh. So they would die next. Ugh, gross. But weirdly enough, when you think about it, the Delahan heavily resembles the classic image of the headless horseman. Yeah. And it's probably where it kind of came from, is this idea of a death figure with a head in his arm running around. And then lastly, the Grim Reaper, the family favorite. The character of the Grim Reaper has been found to have appeared in popular culture during the 14th century. So it's not like that old, but it's pretty, pretty old. The ongoing devastation from the Black Plague likely contributed to the Reaper's creation. The Black Death ravaged Europe between 1347 and 1351. And the plague would reemerge several times after that, which is why we we know it caused so much devastation. Mm -hmm. But this took more lives than any wars or pandemics before it. So more than ever before, death was on everyone's mind. But why does the Grim Reaper look the way they do? So let's break it down piece by piece. The skeleton, obviously symbolic of death, the final stage of the body's decomposition. Yeah. The black robes are thought to be a reference to the black priest robes that clergy members commonly wore for funeral services at the time. Mm -hmm. The scythe, a common image from the agricultural practices of the era. When harvesting or reaping crops like oats or barley, also used to mow tall grass, farm workers commonly wielded scythes. Thus, the scythe was a tool associated with taking crops from the earth. And when you think about it, when we die, we are taken from the earth. So it's kind of a very common image, which became a symbol. The Grim Reaper has been depicted as a modest guide who simply ushers the deceased into the afterlife or a menacing literal entity of death who is responsible for one's death with some depictions showing them to be capable of killing a person by simply touching them. Oh, okay. And fun fact, long ago, not that fun, uh, (laughs) long ago, the Reaper was depicted as bringing a scythe to collect the deceased commoners. But he would bring a sword to collect the souls of royals and elites. Okay. So just one way they could separate the quality of your life is also the quality of your death. Another popular image or physical tool carried by the Reaper is the hourglass, an age-old symbol for the quick passing of time. The Reaper's hourglass and scythe are borrowed from the ancient Greco-Roman god Kronos, who himself was the personification of time. Similar to Kronos, the Reaper's behavior and appearance also seem to borrow from Charon or Charon, the boatman who ferries the souls of the dead across the river Styx in Greek mythology. The Reaper is sometimes depicted in folk tales and modern storytelling as offering mortals an escape from death through a game of wit, like a complex riddle or a game of chess. It became people trying to either gain immortality or defeat death, like to avoid death for another day. Mm-hmm. It's kind of borrowed from the old storytelling mechanic of challenging the devil to avoid death or to avoid hell or whatever. Right. Similar to the song, The Devil, devil went, to- went Down to Georgia. Yeah. The devil challenges him to play the fiddle. And I th- think he wins. Yeah. I want to get to the point of violin where I can play that song. It doesn't look all that difficult, but I don't know. I'm, I'm still like, I've, 
maybe two months in, so I could just have a lot of hubris. You're making progress, so you'll get there. Yeah, eventually. Around the late 1800s into the early 1900s, the Grim Reaper was imagined as serving as conductor on his own ghost train, possibly due to the popularity of locomotive travel and death being visualized as your soul traveling to the afterlife. Mm -hmm. It's likely a modernized take on the underworld ferryman, and the classic imagery of death riding an ominous black carriage. Cool. Which is why we see death as driving an airplane now. (laughs) Yeah, we still see death as the old version, but I mean, I think it's just because that's aesthetically really cool. Do you think we'll ever get, like, death on a spaceship? That would be crazy. That would be really cool. That'd be really cool of us. That'd be badass. Heavens in space, motherfucker. (laughs) Let's go. That's cool. I love, like, I don't know, learning about death and folklore attached to it and mythology attached to it because it is like something that we don't really know much of anything about and i think it's like one of the one and only things left where we can really like speculate in a folklore type way like death yeah and i think ghosts stuff like that we can and i i like to treasure those things the small things we still get yeah the mysteries in life man that's there's not many left right you know we're, we're finding out a lot of stuff with science and progress of time there's not many big question marks that are like undeniable question marks right i would say death might be one of the only ones death and maybe like life outside of our galaxy you know yeah our solar system so what do you think is your i guess not what do you think what is like your opinion on death because you asked me but you never really answered it yourself i think that i am i think that i want to not be afraid of death Mm mm-hmm but I definitely am not unafraid of death. Like what I don't like about death is the idea of missing out on things. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the idea of like leaving people behind. Yeah. There's a lot of cool stuff happening right now in the world. A lot of bad stuff too. But I mean, <laughs> like everybody and that's ever been alive, when you're relatively young, you know, there's a lot ahead of you. Yeah. Even as you get older, like there's still a lot ahead of you. And so like any of that being cut short feels like, you're being cheated, kind of, you know? Yeah. Even though none of us deserve, we all get what we deserve in a sense. Nobody's promised anything in life. But when I, it's FOMO. It's the fear of missing out. It's mm-hmm. like, if I die, then my friends are going to still hang out and my family is still going to have moments that I'm going to miss out on and cool things are going to happen. You know, I won't be able to do this or that, or I won't see these things happening. I remember as a kid talking to my dad, I always hadn't, my dad's like 70 like considerably older than most dads for people my age. Because my dad, when he was a kid, like he remembers when the first like color TV came out. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about like, he was, you know, that's this amount of stuff he's seen in his lifetime is pretty considerable. And so he would always tell me like, oh man, I can't wait for you to see what changes you're going to see. Yeah. And he's like, I'm just bummed that I'm not going to be able to see those. Yeah. And then I got it in my head of like, oh yeah, when you die, you miss out on all the cool shit that's going to happen after you, as time goes on. As we know it. Yeah. Maybe your consciousness will just be shoved into a different baby and you'll get to experience it. That's true. So yeah, I, I see death as missing out kind of. Because I do believe obviously like life goes on after you die. That's undeniable. Like a lot of people think they can't picture the world going on without them. Yeah. If you're conceited enough. But like, <laughs> she, like everyone's been to a funeral, you know, the next day everybody goes back to work. You know what I mean? Like it's not yeah. like a, a thing. So I think life is fun. Life is cool as, as hard as it can be. And as, no matter how many bad days you might have, life is like, it's much better than the alternative. 
Mm-hmm. Life is much better than the alternative, which is not existing at all. Yeah. Unless you're religious and you think we go someplace, which I don't know. Right. Ultimately, I don't know. I think that's the biggest, that's the thesis, I think, from my opinion on this, everything we cover in this podcast is I don't know, but it's cool. Yeah. It's a cool idea. I don't know. No one really knows. No. So no one's there to say you're wrong. This is true. Well, thank you guys. Oh, we got you good vibes. Oh, good vibes. Yeah. My good vibes are the fact that we're all here and we're all here together and we're experiencing this moment together. Um, I'm going to piggyback off of that and say, yeah, we're all alive right now. None of us are dead. <laughs> so those who are dead and listening, speak up. Right. Let us know what's what the hell's going on. We can't fucking hear you. Yeah. Act for the back row. That's what they say in theater. Hey. Act for the back row. Speak up. Tell us what's going on, ghosts. Yeah. What's, what's after this? Is it just more of this? But also, like, leave me alone. Yeah, but, yeah, but also, leave don't me alone. moan. Don't moan when I'm renting an Airbnb and don't lift up Mo's couch. Yeah, that was not cool. I didn't like that. Quit it. That's not what we want Stop from you. Stop it. You're not contributing. But like if I take a shower and the mirror is all steamy, you can like write a message in there maybe and be like, it's fine. Death is okay. Then don't write get out. Yeah, it's cliche. I'm so sick of ghosts wanting me to get out of their house. Like it's not your house anymore. Yeah. Move on. Literally and figuratively. Help me. <laughs> I used to always write that on my shower. I, mean, I used to too. Help me. <laughs> I used to do the same thing to scare whoever was going to use the shower next. Right? Yeah. Um, um, anyways. Jinx, you owe me a ghost. Thank you guys for listening. And thank you again to our patrons who voted on this topic for our episode. If you would like to vote on our future topics or have exclusive access to episodes, um, we are doing that now. And those are live, I think, by this point. So feel free to check that out. Our Patreon is According to an Idiot. You can also email us. Let us know what you're thinking, how you're feeling. Give us your ghost stories and we can read them. Our email is according to an idiot at gmail.com. You can stay up to date by following our Instagram or our Facebook at according to an idiot or our Twitter at idiots accord. For more. <laughs> and there's never been a better time to join our Patreon because we just released yeah. our first Patreon exclusive, which is us sharing a story from a creepypasta. Hey. Hey. Thank All right, you guys. guys. Bye. Hey, share your thoughts on death. Have you died? Have you come back? Have you ever seen a ghost? Send us your ghost stories as well. Talk to us, please. We're lonely. And with that, I will see you in time. Bye. I love you. <laughs>